0: Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy tells President Biden on our show that the debt ceiling clock is ticking.
1: Let's not play brinkmanship with I will not do. Let's sit down. Let's be reasonable and rational.
0: But at least there's one TikTok that both parties can agree on.
1: If 150 million Americans knew that their data was being used by the Communist Party of China, would they be concerned about using it?
0: A handoff at Oscar Health, the outgoing and incoming CEOs, Mario Schlosser, a founder, handing over the reins.
2: I think we have a chance to be the most automated health insurer. And I think we have a chance with Mark to be the most intelligence system health insurer as well. And seasoned healthcare
0: CEO Mark Bertolini taking over.
2: Number one, Oscar's well-prepared for
3: a recession or stagflation, whatever we should see. And there's a lot of arguments about both.
0: All that today, but first, crypto exchange Binance in hot water
4: with regulators. This is not FTX. No. What they're talking about is still a violation of U.S. law. In Disney trying to keep the magic alive. So you are in the metaverse?
5: Yes, kind of. I ran all over Istanbul. That's pretty cool. It's
0: Tuesday, March 28th.
3: We're
5: gonna be famous.
0: CNBC's Squawk Pod begins right
4: now.
3: Stand back, by in three, two, one, cue it please.
4: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew Ross Sorkin is out today. Let's take a look at what's been happening with the U.S. equity futures.
0: First up today on Squawk Pod, the Commodity Futures and Trading Commission is suing crypto exchange Binance, its founder Shengpeng Zhao, and its former chief compliance officer Shengpeng Zhao, who goes by CZ, has appeared a number of times on our TV broadcast and on this podcast, and those appearances have focused on potential commingling of customer funds or how the Binance exchange can avoid the fallout that happened to FTX. Here he is in December.
1: People can withdraw 100%
6: of the assets they have on Binance. We will not have an issue in any given day. So um, 100% of the users withdraw 100% of the assets, we'd be fine. In crypto, there's no central bank printing money to bail out banks when there's a liquidity crunch. So um, crypto
0: businesses have to hold user assets one to one. And that's what we do. It's very simple. This suit, however, alleges that Binance actively solicited US users and subverted the exchange's own ineffective compliance program, violating laws designed to prevent and detect money laundering and terrorism financing. The regulator also accuses Binance of helping US-based VIP customers evade compliance controls. This filing has the potential to radically alter Binance's operations, and it may just be the opening salvo in a regulatory crackdown on the stars of the crypto industry.
5: In a statement, Binance called a complaint from the CFTC disappointing, said it would continue to collaborate with regulators in the U.S. Uh, and around the world. It also said the best path forward is to protect our users and to collaborate with regulators to develop a clear, thoughtful regulatory regime. And the price of Bitcoin fell below 27000 uh, after that. And it... Uh, lawsuit was announced. See anything in there about commingling or any of the stuff we no, worry no, no. about this whenever we a talk different to CZ? Type of violation. Yeah. This is
4: this is one that they're also going to take I mean, this is this is not FTX. No. Not, none of the same allegations. Not, not
5: that it will be, but but, but that's what the, they're talking the about is
4: still a violation of US law. It's illegal right. to have a, a derivatives contract sold to people in the US unless you're approved by a regulator. They're right. not. And there's some pretty clear evidence from the stuff that's already been leaked out there that all the way up to CZ, they were looking for ways to allow US customers to continue to trade and try and evade the US. Uh, things like telling them to use a virtual private network right. and not come in from a US IP address. And there looks like there were some communications coming from CZ himself with other staff members to talk about this. Because some of those clients were very important to them. You know, And one, one of them is a Chicago headquartered trading firm who was a top five client 12% of their volume at that mm. point. So it was important for Binance to keep them as customers and it looked like they were looking for ways around US regulations.
5: Well, we need, definitely need a much better as the, I mean, I agree to some extent with Binance's response that we just need, things need to be completely laid out in, in, a, in a very clear regulatory regime, which we still don't have.
4: I agree with point that. Point. However, it looked right. like Binance knew that this was not legal and wanted to work their way around it anyway. Right,
5: hopefully yeah. they're not working their way around some of the other stuff that we were yeah. worried
4: about. But they're also being accused of not trying to prevent illicit activity from taking place right. there.
5: Right, well, that's, people think that that's what crypto is all about in the first place.
4: Yeah. So anyway, a lot of questions. We will talk much more about it. Disney will begin the first of three rounds of layoffs this week. That's according to a memo from the CEO, Bob Iger, that was obtained by CNBC. The memo said that the company will cut about 7,000 jobs before the beginning of summer. The first round of cuts will be this week. A second, larger round of cuts will happen in April, and the final round will be later in the spring. The layoffs will be cross-company, hitting Disney's media and distribution division, parks and resorts, resorts, and ESPN. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that the company has eliminated the small division that was developing metaverse strategies for Disney's content. The report says that all of that team's roughly 50 members have lost their jobs, though division head Mike White remains with the company in an undetermined capacity.
5: That, that I guess for meta-fans, that I, I don't know which way the world is really moving on the metaverse, and I. I, I probably shouldn't talk about it because I've never, I don't put the, the uh, goggles. No, I don't do that. I haven't done that. However, I did play Wii Sports quite a bit. <laughs> do you remember Wii Sports?
4: We still have it. Yeah,
5: so have I it had a, I had an avatar, Yeah. and I got to design it, you know, with, with the cool sunglasses, the kind yeah, of it, hair. It, I ha- it
4: took 30 seconds to make that
5: avatar, right? Yeah, but I had an avatar. Yeah. I was jo- and I had this little body, and they played it that, that, that song. We, we have
4: it in our basement stuff. So I liked
5: it, okay? Yeah. But I don't know if I'm going to live in the metaverse. I just, is it better than that, the new metaverse?
4: You got me. I, I, it's it's interest, an interesting turn of events when Facebook actually changed its name to meta. Maybe that
5: was a premature. And, and opened the big hole that they started pouring money into, shareholder returns and money into, into the big hole. Because they have a pretty good business on social media, don't yeah. they? yeah. Um, what else was there I was thinking about? But that made me think that, you know, I'm probably not the person to talk about. with them, But I, I'm not sure it's going to be, you know, maybe it's 10 years from now. Maybe right. it's early. Well, and
4: and the, the, it, you could very well have a really amazing technology that comes
5: out of it. I don't know that but, you know
4: who the winners and losers are going to be.
5: Okay. I got one thing. other anecdote. So what, when I run now, it's, it's a new lifetime uh, treadmill. And I go to different cities. Okay, it's got a big screen here. So you
4: are in the metaverse.
5: Yes, kind of. I mean, uh, uh, Istanbul was okay. one, and I ran all so over Istanbul. That's pretty cool. It is, and people looked at me as I was running. Okay, you're by making the like,
4: argument for the metaverse.
5: I've been to, I've been to Rome a bunch of times, but now I run in Rome sometimes, and I recognize all the places I'm running. So I'm in the metaverse. So, so I kind of like that. On
4: the other hand, you're doing a this. I'm doing now. a transport
5: <laughs> on the other hand. Here's something I do know about uh, Chipotle. Chipotle Mexican Grill has agreed to pay $240,000 to the former uh, employees of a store in Augusta, in this case Augusta, Maine. Immediately makes me think of what's happening in two weeks, though. Uh, As a settlement for closing the restaurant when workers tried to unionize, uh, the National Labor Relations Board found that the burrito chain violated federal labor law when it closed the restaurant and stopped organizers from being hired at other locations in that region. Chipotle denied wrongdoing, but said the cost and energy of litigating would have outweighed the settlement agreement. Former employees will receive between $6,000 and $21,000, depending on their average hour, pay rate, and tenure. And Chipotle will offer to put those workers on a preferential hiring list for other main locations uh, for one year.
0: Next on SquawkPod, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy on the biggest issues facing Congress today, including the two things both parties can agree on. First, getting to the bottom of the Silicon Valley bank collapse.
1: I'm concerned about you had regulators in California that missed this. What was the governor doing? This is also a state chartered bank. Why did we miss all the warning signs there?
0: And then the push against TikTok.
1: I believe there are votes on both sides of the aisle. To change TikTok as it currently stands today.
6: Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
4: This is Squawk Pod.
6: Up and Becky Q.
4: Good morning. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today.
5: Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy sending a letter to the White House just this morning urging President Biden to get back to the negotiating table to talk about an increase to the federal debt limit in the letter. Speaker McCarthy says in his words, we cannot solve the nation's fiscal problems overnight and House Republicans are not demanding we do so, but we cannot continue to kick the can down the road and ignore America's ballooning national debt all while you continue to spend trillions more, including through unaccountable executive fiat. The White House press secretary, meanwhile, provided us a statement that reads, in part, it's time for Republicans to stop playing games, agree to pass a clean debt ceiling bill, and quit threatening to wreak havoc on our economy. And joining us now, House Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy. Mr. Speaker, great to have you on to, to, to highlight uh, this here first on, on what, what's contained uh, in your letter you saw. Uh, welcome. Thank you for, for, Thank you. Uh, for joining us. Um, We can see what little tremors do in the financial uh, system. We've seen that the last couple of weeks, which makes us think what a a true impasse would mean uh, if if something happens here. Um, Given what you're saying and given the response from the White House press secretary, it doesn't seem like we've made any progress since that meeting you had two months ago with President Biden. We've
1: made no progress. And, Joe, you know me. I'm always an optimist. I'm not now. They asked to pass just to raise the debt ceiling. Well, they control the Senate. They can't pass it in the Senate. Even Democrats in the House tell me they would not vote for that. So that's off the table. The president and I met more than two months ago. Since that time, he has misled the whole Congress and the country. When we were together at the prayer breakfast, he says, we're going to sit down the next day, told the entire Congress that we're going to meet. At the Democratic retreat, he told the Democrats that that we were planning meetings. He's never had one meeting. It's been more than two months. Time is ticking. Now I'm very concerned about where we are. Look, we've came with an idea of being very reasonable, responsible, to limit, save, and grow. We've picked ideas that Democrats have for. Limit the amount of spending. That's what Joe Manchin says. The Outgrowth, on uh, non-defense, just cap how fast you can grow. Find savings. We have... Billions of dollars of unspent COVID money that sat dormant for more than two years. You can grab some of that back. Find our ability to grow this economy through the economy, through energy. Maybe you do something when it comes to securing our border. Maybe you do work requirements, things that he voted for, for um, as a senator, which Bill Clinton put in, for those with no dependents. These are ideas that we have more than four trillions in savings. And now the economy is even a worse position because of his extreme spending levels, what they took with all Democrats in, in power. I am more concerned than I have ever been to be able to get this debt ceiling done because he refuses to meet with anybody and then misleads the American public, and the markets aren't seeing that.
5: We, in, in the letter, you say I have no interest in brinkmanship, but it seems like both sides are, at, at least at this point, ready to take it there. And, and I, do you see any... Uh, any room for negotiation at all at this point? What what, what if the president? Every time you talk to him, Joe, what, Joe. If he, what if he says uh, clean debt? We did it during Trump, two or three times with a clean raise. Democrats no. gave you a clean raise. We want a no. clean raise. You'll Joe, never do Joe. that,
1: we, Joe. We never did a clean during Trump. You you can talk to anybody there. You could talk to Nancy Pelosi. What they did was we'll raise the debt ceiling if you add more spending. It was an agreement between the two. Joe Biden did this in 2011, the Joe Biden agreement talks every time you have a discussion, 74 percent of the American public wants us to sit down. We're now at a more extreme position that we've ever been with the Democrats in power. They are spending more than in the 50-year average. Normally, we only spend about 21 percent of GDP. They're up to 23.7. We just had the Congressional Budget Office tell us we're going to have to pay more than trillion just in interest in the next 10 years. But in the last 80 years, we have only had to pay 9 trillion interest. We are at a brink point. We now have a banking crisis because of interest rates going up because of the Democrats' extreme spending levels. The Republicans are not playing brinkmanship. I'm not interested in that. I want to sit down. I went to the president at the beginning of February. I told him at the very upfront everything's on the table. Let's talk where we can find ways. Let's see where we can grow this economy. From the very beginning, he told the American public after that meeting, even tweeting, yes, we can work together. He told the Congress, yes, we're going to meet. He told the Democrats at their retreat, oh, I'm going to meet with Kevin. The only difference is he won't ever schedule that meeting. He wants to create a crisis here, and that's what I'm concerned about. The American public has to be warned based upon what this president's doing. If they think they can just raise the debt limit, then why don't they do it in the Senate tomorrow?
5: Because the Democrats
1: won't vote for it either.
5: probably a good idea to get out in front of this, uh, Mr. Speaker, and I I think that's part of the reason. That's
1: exactly what I'm doing, to tell the country what this president is telling you and his actions are totally different. Because you know how it's going to be characterized.
5: It's going to be characterized that, and and, uh, I can tell you the Biden administration, in reading the response. Uh, From the White House press secretary, it it does not give me much hope, and I don't know whether did did you read her uh, the response? It just points a lot of. I'm not
1: sure what that press secretary ever says. She she believes the border is secure. She Uh believes we don't have inflation. Listen, let's be very serious with the American public. We are being rational and sensible. Everything's on the table, so let's sit down and talk and put us on a better path. We have picked ideas that Democrats have proposed. Joe Manchin believes in limiting the amount of growth in the out years on non-defense. I agree with that. We've looked at ways that we can pull money that has just been out there dormant for more than two years. Why not pull that back if it's just sitting there? Save the taxpayer money. Why wouldn't you look at work requirements for those that ha- don't have dependents? That means you just have to look for a job. That just means you can volunteer. My, These are things the senator, when he was Senator Biden, he voted for. This is something Bill Clinton put in. Why don't we find ways to grow this economy, to make us energy independent? Mr. Why don't Speaker, we secure would, our borders, stop killing Americans with when, the Fenton? When,
5: when the president did put that budget out, and, and I, I will grant you... Uh, that we, we even had some Democrats on the show that said, "Okay, it's a starting point, and and it's obviously it's it's, it's clear that this will not be the final budget that that could ever pass." But the critics uh, say that you haven't put anything out. If, if they and here's this is contained in the response from the White House press secretary. If the Republicans want to have a conversation about our nation's economic and fiscal future, it's time for them to put out a budget. Uh, at the pre- as the president has done with his detailed plan to grow the economy lower costs and reduce the nearly uh, the deficit or I'm sorry reduce yeah the deficit by me- nearly 3 trillion dollars so do you have uh, something to to present at this point a budget blueprint but-
1: Let's be very honest about that. The budget doesn't have anything to do with the debt ceiling. I can pass a budget tomorrow, and we'll still need to pass a debt ceiling. A budget looks at 10-year. These are apples and oranges. I sat down with the president in February before he produced his budget. They were more than a month delay, so it delays us in producing our budget. But that does nothing. I have $4 trillion in savings that I personally told the president why we sat only because it was St. Patrick's Day on ways that we can find savings and come to the table. If the president would have a meeting exactly what I told him, I will have all the four trillion sitting there and provide it to you, and you can mark it up, you could tell it to the public, you could do anything you want. The difference here is he wants to play politics with this and I do not. I think we should be adults in the room, sit down the way the American public expects us to do, just as the way that government is designed to do. And let's find common ground and not put us into jeopardy, which was exactly what the president is doing right now.
5: If, if you are less optimistic than you have been, and, and you started off the, the conversation that way, can you give us uh, some type of roadmap for how you expect this to play out? And I will just tell you that It's tough to win this PR war on the debt scene. Republicans, both sides are going to get. You know, you you wrestle with. I'm going to say pigs, but you wrestle with uh, an animal that lives in a in a in a sow. You're both going to get dirty. That's the old expression, right? So everybody's going to get mud on them from this, Um, and the American people just sit back and go, "God, it's just Washington uh, as usual." How, How do you see this progressing to where we do avert this because we do not want? Um, the, the catastrophic, we don't want to test the system with, with some type of catastrophic event with the debt ceiling.
1: Joe, that's exactly why I started where I have. I've never once wanted to blame one or the other. I sat down with the president from the very beginning and said, let's negotiate. We don't predetermine what has to happen here as Republicans. We know we have to spend less. So less limit, less save, and less grow. I told the president, we're not going to raise taxes. And, uh, and uh, just raising the debt ceiling... Democrats can't even do that. Then pass that in the Senate and send it to the House. Chuck Schumer can't do that. And Democrats in the House tell me they won't even vote for that. So you know what? Let's not play brinkmanship, with it. I will not do. Let's sit down. Let's be reasonable and rational. Put your ideas. I've got four trillion different ideas I'm ready to discuss. He won't even let staff go there. I want to put the American public first. That's why I'm talking to you. The markets think that this is all going to get done. Why? Because the president has misled America. They're at the prayer breakfast, then again at the Democrat retreat. He told them that we are meeting. We are not meeting. I don't want to go that down that route. I want to solve this problem. I want to do it today. I don't want to wait till the moment of the time. Why would we even do that, especially after the runaway spending and the extremism that the Democrats have provided, and now we've got challenges in our banking system? This is not the time to play games. Why is it irrational that Republicans and Democrats sit in a room together to try to find a solution? When in America that that became to be wrong, I'm the one that's saying, let's sit down. Maybe we can't find an agreement, but shouldn't we at least try? I believe we can.
4: Speaker McCarthy, you bring up the banking crisis that's taking place in the background and we had a calmer weekend this weekend after two pretty hectic and frantic weekends uh, of negotiating behind the scenes. I just wonder where you think things stand on that front. Do you think we've gotten through the worst of it or do you think there's more to come?
1: I think we're through the worst of it, but I'm concerned. You've got trillions of dollars that are uninsured. If individuals want to move that money, You just look at the different uh, articles, one in the Wall Street Journal yesterday says 200 banks would be in concern. I'm concerned about you had regulators in California that missed this. You watched the growth of the deposits there in uh, Silicon Valley Bank. You've got a regulator that won't even come before Congress to talk about that, that is a former staffer to Maxine Waters. This is a place that we have to look at. What was the governor doing? This is also a state chartered bank. He actually banked there. So why did, why did we miss all the warning signs there? And that makes me concerned in the future. And the last thing we want to have happen, is that you don't get, you go to a brinkmanship as the president's doing here when it comes to the debt ceiling. You wanna know what would help the banks right now? If we came out with a debt ceiling agreement months in advance, the American public would say yes, that's what I expect of our elected leaders. And that's exactly what I wanna do, that's what I'm working towards, and that's what I'm requesting. But you look at the extreme position of the president not to negotiate, at no time has anyone ever taken this position before. This is just too extreme to deal with the situation.
4: Speaker McCarthy, there there have been some calls for blanket insurance of all deposits, and that's gotten pushback from more than forty members in your party. Um, if push comes to shove, if there are worse problems down the road, do you think, or wh- where would you come down on this? What would you like to see happen? Well, I don't. Th- I don't think like we need.
1: I don't think we need that at this moment in time. Um, I think we, at this the moment system, in time, system. Of- yeah, I think I think where we are. And I, I don't believe that's the position we we should have at this moment. I think we should look at where we're going. Uh, we've gotten through the difficult part right now, but the number one thing I think we can do to secure all that get a debt ceiling done now.
5: Mr. Speaker, I want to just <clears throat> while we have a couple minutes left, I just want uh, to talk to you about TikTok and what what your thoughts uh, are there. It has been kind of a bipartisan uh, issue. The Chinese finally bring us together uh, on something, but I've started to see. Uh, some, uh, murmuring, uh, on the left, uh, about th- the, idea of banning TikTok and, you know, everybody wants to get young voters and a lot of people, 150 million people apparently love this. I, I haven't been on it, but they, they love TikTok. Do you think it should be banned? Is that politically palatable to both sides now or, uh, are you going to l- lose one side that, I don't know, feels like they can, if they were to ban it, they- I-, I, I saw Democrats Democrat say we'll never get another vote from any young people.
1: I don't know. If 150 million Americans knew that their data was being used by the Communist Party of China, would they be concerned about using it? Do we have a responsibility as policymakers? You, you had the CEO to TikTok sitting before Congress that literally admitted that he could not control the data used by the Communist Party of China. He just wanted to determine that, well, there's different definition of spying. We've watched China and the President, Xi actually changed his constitution where he can serve longer. We've watched him only leave his country twice during the pandemic both times to meet with Putin in the creation of a new axis of power. I think the last administration had it right when TikTok should have been sold, where they kept the data in America to an American company. I think there's a real concern here with the growing rise of China, their desire of what they want to do. And I think as policymakers, if you have information and you don't protect the American public, you're not doing your job. If you're more concerned about getting votes than it is about securing the the nation itself, that's a concern to me. But I believe there are votes on both sides of the aisle to change TikTok as it currently stands today and to protect the American public on their data moving forward.
5: All right, Mr. Speaker, thanks. And please uh be in touch with us if if you uh, as things start moving, uh, if people start talking, you and the president about uh, about how to handle this, I think the markets are watching. And you know how time uh, flies, it goes very quickly. And this is this is this is coming coming straight at us. So, Speaker McCarthy, thank you. Uh, thank for, you for coming on Squawk Box today.
4: We have some exciting streaming news for you. You can now watch Squawk Box live weekday mornings on Peacock. You can dive into the latest headlines from today. CNBC and MSNBC streaming all together exclusively on Peacock with Morning News Live. So that's today, Squawk Box, Morning Joe. Everybody there live, that means you can watch us on the Peacock app no matter where you are, where the week takes you. Just head to PeacockTV.com slash Morning News for more information on how you can start streaming Morning News Live. Big deal
5: it's, co- it's confusing though no. which morning joe are you referring to when you say the
4: other morning joe not not the months.
5: the cheap imitation of the true morning joe that, that's
4: not exactly what
5: i said but sure no okay <laughs> i'm kidding we love having joe on he's very deferential too because i've been on a lot longer and he will yeah. point that out <clears throat> yeah. he will say that he's finally come around to where After and he, he he'll, admit, him into the he'll admit his name is charles scarborough yeah
4: But there was already a Chuck Scarborough. There was
5: already a Chuck Scarborough. So he he steals my name. But please. Yes, other name. We're on Peacock?
4: We are. It's pretty cool.
5: Kind of makes me excited. I don't know. Wow, we made it. We made it to. So we're on TV. Streaming. (laughs) Huh?
4: We're on devices everywhere, not just TV. We are. That's the. We're going to be famous. We might
5: be famous. Well, you
4: know, look, you have kids in college.
5: Yes, Our, ours ours didn't take TVs. Uh-huh.
4: Huh? Ours didn't take TVs when they went to college.
5: I know. know. yeah, we we gotta we gotta get with the program. Yeah. I'm not sure about the metaverse, but we gotta get with the we, we gotta get with streaming. Ts yeah.
2: Yeah. will be next.
0: Coming up, everything old is new again. Veteran CEO Mark Bertolini, who once ran insurer Aetna, is joining startup Oscar, and he thinks it's time to shake up healthcare. But first, he's got to shake up the business.
3: The well, first plan of attack is to deliver on profitability in 2023 for the insurance company, 2024 for the full company. And that gives us the headroom to start focusing on the tech stack.
0: Squawk Pod is back right after this.
3: From a
6: flat tire in the city
0: you're listening to squawk pod today with joe kernan and becky quick here's becky
4: news alert for you this morning too a ceo transition at oscar health the health insurance startup launched in 2012 to challenge the traditional insurance model in the united states we've had the company on several times here on squawk box the co-founder and the current ceo mario slasher is going to be transitioning to the president of technology where he'll be leading product and engineering. He will be reporting to the incoming CEO, Mark Bertolini, who has served as a strategic advisor to Oscar for the last 18 months. Bertolini most recently was the co-CEO of Bridgewater. Before that, of course, he was the chairman and CEO of Aetna. We know him well from a lot of times that he's been on the show to talk to us about this. In addition to the CEO announcement, Oscar is also reaffirming its 2023 guidance. We should note that its market capitalization has fallen below a billion dollars at this point. The leadership changes go into effect next week and joining us right now, first on CNBC, are both of these gentlemen, Mark Bertolini and Mario Slasher. And gentlemen, thank you. Welcome to both of you.
3: Um, thank you for the invite.
4: All right, this is this is pretty big news in terms of what it means for Oscar Health. Um, Mario, let me ask you first: Why why'd you decide to turn over the reins to to a veteran from the industry?
2: If Mark comes calling, I think you got to pick up the phone. You know, is anybody in health insurance? So um, Oscar is now six point eight billion revenues last year, and a forty-seven net promoter score. It's about three for the industry, right? That's a lot bigger and a lot faster than Josh and I, the co-founders, thought we'd ever get to in 10 years. Uh, And um, at the same time, our ambition's always been have a profound impact on healthcare. And uh, that scale we need for that is still a lot bigger. When we met Mark about 18 months ago, started working together with him, uh, in an advisory capacity, we realized he's seen that scale and his ambitions are even bigger than our ambitions. And so it made a lot of logical sense to bring him on board. Very grateful that he decided to join. Uh, for me personally, I am a computer scientist by training and I think Oscars built some of the coolest technology in healthcare. Uh, AI is tearing up that playbook at the moment. And for me to go back and focus on engineering products uh, is a dream come true as much as uh, I think it is for Mark to run. health insurance company. The
4: the market obviously likes it. the stock's up about 14 percent this morning but that comes after a big decline in the stock down by over 75 percent. I mean I think we're looking at a market capitalization now of about 650 million dollars before you see this bounce today. Uh, Mark you've got your work cut out for you. This Mm -hmm. is an industry you know well but what's your first plan of attack?
3: Well the first plan of attack is to deliver on profitability in 2023 for the insurance company, 2024 for the full company. Um, that gives us the headroom to start focusing on the tech stack. Um, the reason that, that our MPS is 47 now, which is way above everybody else in the industry, they're at near zero or less than zero, um, allows us to do something very different in healthcare, and that is to connect consumers directly to the provider networks instead of having to go through insurance. Um, and so our idea is to empower the physician groups and the health systems around the country with our technology once we have the company fully profitable and we can make the investments necessary to create a tech stack in the cloud that is SaaS-enabled and allows us to move ahead.
4: Let's talk one step at a time. How do you make the company profitable? What's been wrong to this point?
3: Well, I think it's been... Um, the
4: insurance company,
3: Yeah, say. the insurance company. Um, there have been a lot of travels we've been through in the last 18 months and a lot of discussions about how we think about um, running the economics of an insurance company. And I think we've learned together how to make Oscar profitable. And I think we're gonna prove that this year.
4: It was part of that pulling out of Arkansas and Colorado. Why did that happen?
2: Small part of it, yeah. I mean, we um, the medical loss ratio last year was 85%. And it's it was down three and a half points compared to the prior year, even though we doubled. And you typically can choose one of those two things in health insurance, right? You can't grow a lot and also reduce medical costs. The fact that we were able to do that I think is a fantastic precursor towards what still has to happen for us to be profitable this year in the insurance business, which we've guided towards. Yep. And this morning we reaffirmed guidance on that. And then next year, total company profitability takes a tiny step more of uh, a bit more growth, a bit more medical cost improvements. And the issue is
3: really focus. You know, let's get the insurance company right. Let's not get too far ahead on our, on our own program on, that, on Plus Oscar, mm-hmm. which is the tech stack. Let's get that right and then move the next step.
4: Which makes sense. My, my question becomes, doing something to... It's kind of the holy grail to have technology actually work to make it easier for consumers, to make it easier for doctors and hospitals to all connect. But it's an expensive proposition. You need a lot of money to be able to do that. And we are now talking about an outside era that's probably much more complicated just because of what's happening with the Fed raising rates, with the banking crisis that's taking place, and the idea that there's going to be a credit contraction. What do you do about that, Mark?
3: Well, I think, number one, Oscar's well-prepared for a recession or stagflation, whatever we should see. And there's a lot of arguments about both. Um, We are a place where people can come and get taken care of. Um, Secondly, I think once we prove out the tech stack, and we're doing that now with our own business, I think we're going to find the investment necessary to make that happen. But we've got to get the company right. It's got to be profitable. We've got to be growing um, in a way that makes people want to invest in our company and move forward and so that's it's not going to we're not going to do it out of just cash flow we're going to have to bring out investors
4: mary you mentioned that the ai kind of revolution is changing that whole playbook what what do you do differently how will you kind of shake things up yourself
2: so uh, I personally dabbled in a bunch of algorithms there. I built a little stable diffusion algorithm that takes physician photos and creates a cartoon character version of it, maybe for our care router internally. Um, gotta be the practitioner of these things when they happen. Uh, but more importantly, we spent 10 years building an infrastructure. We, I think, are the only insurance company in the US among the incumbents and startups that really runs on its own entirely controlled technology stack, claims payments, utilization management, member engagement provider, value-based care arrangements. That's a very fertile grounds upon which to deploy AI modules and predictive modeling and so on. Uh, I think we have a chance to be the most automated health insurer uh, that does most of the administrative work through you know, very quick automation and i think of a chance with mark to be the most intelligent system uh, health insurer as well um, meaning predi- predicting and anticipating illnesses before they occur uh, understanding how members want to navigate the healthcare system and so on mm. we have among the highest member engagements of any insurer health insurer already and against this technology platform and this high member engagement it is easier to deploy large language models that do more for the member, for the provider.
5: It just seems so, uh, AI is so so suited to healthcare. I mean, it's yeah. mind-boggling. Drug-drug yeah. interactions, that prescription. I mean, doctors go to medical school for a long time. To You, you feed in symptoms. They, yeah. they regurgitate whatever that is. You, you could take the doctor out of a lot of situations. You need them, obviously, to interpret because it's an art, not a science. Mm-hmm.
2: But so many things are yeah. just... You can help the doctor, doctor, augment the doctor. uh, The the greatest thing about these large language models that came out really recently is not that they can produce language, it's that they sort of find hidden structure in existing language. And healthcare is full of hidden, of very sort of uh, prescribed structure like CPT codes, diagnosis codes, and so on, that I think can be read more easily and dealt with more easily by machines. And that's one of the things. And you
5: were both at Bridgewater, is that? Yes. but this is not a cult, per se, that you're at right now. Even though you're dressed in a really? uniform, type, you guys did not coordinate. Did no, co- we didn't. You did uh, not coordinate. It's a vodka mind my That means, mind that mind that mind means mind a, you guys can anticipate each other's moves. Already. Right?
2: It's, a, it's a common health care vision that's already flowing through This a is, like, amazing. <laughs> I, this, I'm, this is uh, It's, it's only, four, this Joe want, only $4? Joe wants
4: a, Joe wants a jacket. Okay,
2: I, we'll
3: I get do, you one. Um, <laughs> in, the, in, the in the macro sense, we think the markets can become increasingly individual. Um, especially if we have individual HRAs, which are being considered in legislation today. Secondly, we think it's gonna be more digital. The pandemic proved that digital works in healthcare and can change it. And ultimately, if we have this kind of relationship with the customer experience, we think a smaller company like ours can move quicker to create that and have people come to us versus having to acquire practices, acquire members, and build and spend billions of dollars trying to build a system.
4: Yeah. Well, the, the market likes what you're saying. It's now the stock up twenty two and a wow. half percent um, from don't where the, we were. bit more uniform. A uniform. Good start. <laughs> it must yeah. be. Good Mario, and Mark, want to thank you guys both for coming in. Thank and, you. Uh, good to see you again, Mark. Good to see it's been you. Been a while.
2: We'll be back. Good thank to see you guys. You. Thank you.
0: If you want to see video of Oscar Health's Mario Schlosser, and Mark Bertolini wearing twinning outfits on Squawk Box today, please check out our Twitter feed squawk cnbc where we post short clips and other information every day and that's it thanks for listening to squawk pod today catch joe becky and andrew when he's back from vacation live on cnbc weekday mornings at six streaming live on peacock or listen on the go anytime to this podcast for the best of the three-hour show in about 30 minutes so many ways to connect with squawk box we'll meet you right back here tomorrow
2: we are clear thanks guys